Hi, this is Jordan. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I specialize in the gaming industry and today I am your host. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Medina, Kirill Selene and Christoph Bernat to discuss history and games, historic realism or entertainment. So before we delve deeper into the topic in question, let's go around the room with some small introductions. Uh, Kirill, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, hi, I'm Kirill. I'm QA lead and play on former uh, Koch Media, which was rebranded quite recently. Um, been through pretty much all the stages of the QA from uh, localization to compliance, functional testing, whatever. Uh, and yeah, it's been quite a long ride already in the gaming industry, like around eight years in total, I think. Brilliant. Uh, Jonathan? Yes. So, hello everyone. My name is Jonathan. I am a gaming developer from Brazil, but I live here in Finland now for a bit more than six years. And I have been developing mostly XR projects for all kinds of different companies, you know, like training industries, marketing solutions, business, and including education and heritage. And instead of having this experience more on producing longer games, you know, my skills are in, in chewing up like content for quick experience that you can see in the museum or in you know, education educational experience and, and so on. Perfect. And uh, last but certainly not least, Christoph. Uh, hi, everyone. It's uh, good to meet you. Uh, I'm Christoph. I work with Paradox Interactive as a communications project manager, and uh, I've been basically slowly moving through uh, various communications roles at Paradox for about five years uh, uh, now, uh, and I mostly work with our external communications for Paradox Interactive main uh, accounts uh, and also leading some projects in terms of us expanding to uh, new social media platforms to talk to new people and new players. Perfect. Thank you for that, everybody. Uh, so now we've got a bit of a context to everyone. Let's move on to the topic that we've agreed to talk about today. So you've all got a question or a statement on history and games, whether it's realism or entertainment. Uh, so we're going to go around the room asking everyone to pose the question and the reasons that they want to hear the answers to this as well. Everyone's going to have the own opportunity to give their take on the situation. So Christoph, let's start with you and your question, please. Yep, uh, sure. So uh, my question is uh, how to build a healthy player community around games with, well, admittedly politically loaded subjects like, like history, like we are discussing uh, today. And I, I have my own uh, take uh, um, uh, on this, uh, but before I, uh, I give it, I was uh, hoping to ask my uh, my colleagues here, do you have uh, an example in your mind of a, a community built around a historical game or experience that you consider to be healthy or unhealthy uh, that you could uh, uh, talk about? Yeah, I think I will jump in there because uh, uh, <laughs> actually that's an example we'll be using later for uh, my question, which is Kingdom Come Deliverance. Uh, and, you know, you probably heard that they it was quite a controversial uh, game in terms of historical accuracy and uh, how uh, how proper is everything in the game, like in terms that it's there are barely black people. I mean, there are no black people in the game, as far as I know. Uh, the it, it's super uh, like it's it's not feminist at all. So there is a lot of controversies that this. Um, society was quite um, vocal about that and uh, the the answer from Dan Barra uh, the head behind uh, all the development was even though I'm I wouldn't be that like as uh, blunt as he did 
but I definitely agree on some points that like um, this is uh, this is a game and like you you want to see something but uh, it's up on the developer to the developers to figure out what and what they want in the game and like to to make the game as they want not like as the community really wants it to see in the end of course they will uh, they should often listen to the community in order to get like more sales and more marketing uh, more people attached to the game, but yet again, um, if uh, a developer can allow it to to be like that, I mean, why not? It's a developer decision. So, do you think um, the community that has uh, the discourse that has grown around the subject uh, at the time of the release uh, would you consider to have been uh, healthy or it's I, I wouldn't say no it, it wasn't yeah sorry uh definitely it wasn't healthy at all uh because um like the the main idea of dan vavra was basically to stay as historically accurate as possible and uh of course um like there was a lot of uh, uh points in, in terms of uh, women for example mm. in the game how they represented that they don't really take part in any uh in any battle whatsoever but of course we're speaking about uh 15th century yeah. like how many women in battle were there so um definitely it wasn't a good way to handle it from his side but also that's uh, a decision up to up to developers like do you want to keep it healthy or do you want to to do what you want so um i would say that like in that sense to keep it healthy they definitely should have listened to everybody how to uh, what they wanted to see, but uh, that would be a decision pretty much on the I don't know marketing, the developers, whoever would be in charge to make those uh, those decisions, so, like to input more roles for the women or like get more black people in there, whatever you know. So it's a bit 50-50 okay. approach. So before I give my take on all this, I would also like to hear what Jonathan has to say. Yeah, right. Like that, that's a very tricky subject, I think, to approach for any community. You know, like I think usually it comes to. Of course, it's always important that you respect people and listen to the community and everything, you know, but I think sometimes also the developer needs to choose their community, you know, that like, oh, we'll make this for this group, for example. Of course, it needs to be inclusive, you know, but what I'm trying to say is that like you can't please everyone at the same time, you know, and let's say like many times I have seen many developers like kind of uh, kind of sacrificing the narrative that they wanted to do there, you know, and then at the same time that they are pleasing a new audience, they are losing the older one, you know, and like subjects that I see that usually work the best is when you kind of leave this, how to say that, like, you kind of leave this space for interpretations in the in the content, you know, that you see like, oh, I, I am playing the, the good guy, let's say, but at the same time, I know that this good guy is from, let's say, like a historical nation that committed a genocide, you know, that like you, you understand that the both faces of the stuff and then it's up to the community to decide, you know, like, oh, this represents me or not necessarily, you know, because how to say like I, I can tell a little bit of my experience for example from playing historical online games in brazil you know like yeah. especially shooter games and things like that you know the second world war for example is something that is very un intangible untangible for us there you know so like we don't take the political matters of the second world war in the games as serious as they do here in europe and when i moved here and i started playing the same games i saw that the communities were also reacting different ways you know like back there in brazil like people were more focused on the 
of the gameplay, the mechanics, the game itself, than actually like the historical accuracy of that. Um, now, how to how to fix that for both parts? You know, like that that uh, question that I leave maybe for the for the PR there. You know, but like it's yeah. like I I feel that it's important that we approach you know like both sides of the historical parts mm -hmm. so people understand. You know, there's the good side, but also the bad side of things. Yeah, I hear you. So okay, I guess this is uh, time for for, for uh, my part. Uh, and uh, going back to your example, Kiro, I I have been like paying attention to uh, the Kingdom Come Deliverance uh, release, and that was fascinating on profession professional level, uh, uh, for sure. Uh, I think this like touches on the uh, first thing, which is that uh, your your ability to develop a healthy community does hinge a lot on how strongly uh, the creative force behind it wants it to stay historically accurate versus history exploration. And I think in that sense the games that we make at Paradox make it a little bit easier for us in the community uh, to work with this content because our games are mostly about breaking history uh, changing it's about power fantasies of overcoming fate uh, uh, so uh, to speak you, the players can of course you know choose to uh, follow the historical path but um, the subjects that we give there uh, like they have become a little, in my experience as a player at least uh, playing them also more sandboxy and we are not as uh, stringent about always delivering something that is you know, 100 uh, percent um, accurate and that leaves us i think more room than uh, um, uh, community work around kingdom come deliverance uh, had uh, to uh, uh, to work with that so uh, because I, I did come with a specific question which is how to build a healthy community i should maybe start by trying to establish whether i consider ours uh, to be healthy i have like weird um, example of that but uh, we use an AI system provided by a, a external company that uh, measures uh, this toxic discourse uh, on our social media platforms and compares it to an industry average and it has placed us at about 1% uh, toxic comments versus 5% industry average. So it turns, it turns out that at least in that measurement, if you can trust an AI, uh, we have uh, come out uh, fairly fine. This is the only uh, example I have like externally uh, of an external assessment of it. Uh, and then I have my personal experiences with the community, which were also um, in some way uh, positive. And I think the first thing that is uh, really valuable is to differentiate between the content and the community, uh, just because our games present some content doesn't mean it's necessarily a subject we want to see explored in our uh, in our communities. A good example of that that actually made it to the press a few years ago uh, was during the time when we were announcing and releasing Crusader Kings 3, our medieval live uh, simulator. And there is a phrase there that has historical context, but also contemporary. It's called it's Deus Vote. So I think God wills it or with God. I'm really bad with Latin. I apologize. Uh, my colleagues are probably rolling their eyes if they're listening to this now. Um, and uh, historically, it's a phrase that's been used during the uh, Crusades, which on its own is a loaded subject uh, already. But in the contemporary times, uh, some um, fringe political uh, groups have also co-opted it uh, as a dog whistle uh, a phrase uh, to gather around right wing, far right wing. Um, uh, statements. And even though we have kept the phrase in the game because it has historical meaning, that's, I mean, the game is called Crusader Kings. It's specifically built around the subject of, of Crusades. Uh, we have very strict policies uh, in our communities, uh, Discord forums, uh, and other places regarding its discussion. Uh, it's uh, not that 
everyone who utters the phrase we consider to be uh, doing this with ill intent, but uh, when you work with committees like that, you can identify like a gateway subjects that are inevitably going to uh, escalate uh, eventually to, uh, to, a, to an argument. So uh, even though you know, we can assume that most people come there with goodwill, also out of concern for our moderators uh, and all that, we just have a, a very strict policy uh, regarding the use of this phrase. And this applies to multiple uh, pieces of content in lots of our games. Our games deal with history throughout the ages. Also some, some fictional sci-fi uh, content that has uh, historical uh, um, analogies uh, uh, to it. And each of our communities is uh, managed se separately. Uh, so we don't have a single channel to discuss all of them, which I think also makes it a little bit easier because uh, each of those games has different historical uh, uh, context. There is a code of conduct that uh, applies to um, all Paradox communities, but ultimately it's a, it's a guidepost uh, which our community managers and the other um, uh, community uh, team uh, members use uh, to uh, to work with their uh, communities, and that like uh, culminates in a really I think boring uh, uh, answer uh, ultimately, which is that heavy-handed moderation works. Uh, I know that a lot of fans and players have very visceral reaction uh, 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 to that. Uh, it's not that we uh, like get kicks out of posing uh, free speech, but when you are on this side of uh, the fence. You can definitely identify subjects which seem innocent uh, when taken in uh, like on their own, but we know always inevitably if we allow uh, discussion in a few hours, in a few days' time, will escalate to a, a bigger argument. So while we are uh, trust our developers to present content uh, in a reasonable way uh, and find balance between entertainment and accuracy in our games, uh, a part of the equation to facilitate that is also that on the community side of things, uh, we make sure that our community understands uh, uh, how we want uh, people to uh, interpret that uh, and uh, that we don't uh, allow extreme uh, views to uh, to foment there. Uh, so yeah, I think that was my uh, my take. Uh, uh, do you guys have any follow-ups uh, on that? Well, um, I've got a little question just uh, out of nowhere. That, uh, did you guys have a lot of um, like discussions on on your forums or any other channel? Because uh, I know that there were like uh, some criticism regarding some some of the games from Paradox, uh, like Europa Universalis, and I think it was also for the Crusader King two for sure. But I'm not sure about the third one. Uh, there were like yeah, the, the people were saying that yeah, like like this is. This is not really correct right now, so please change it whatsoever. Uh, and did you have a lot of issues like that? Just out of curiosity. I mean, in general, like people who like our games, a lot of our fan base are history nerds and history fans. So there is always a discussion. You know, can you just make this fully accurate and uh, and all that? And the answer is that those are ultimately entertainment products, right? The the entertainment is is going to uh, come first. So if there is a feature that we feel is both controversial and adds nothing uh, to gameplay. As a rule of thumb, uh, they, it probably will not make it uh, to the game and we will not be interested in, uh, in, in adding it. Uh, generally, um, I, th I think I can give an example from Crusader Kings here. When we have a subject that clearly has no place in like modern society, uh, for example, taking concubines in Crusader Kings is a historical mechanic that is in the game. We uh, 
don't remove it, but we add player freedom to act against it and act on it, uh, and also a counterbalance system. So in Crusader Kings, uh, you can, uh, through uh, cultural, religious, societal reforms, uh, change uh, change those those laws, and also there is counterbalance in the sense that you can take also male concubines at the start of the game, but you, you as a player have the freedom to uh, move away uh, from that. And I think final, like uh, let's go cherry on top on that is we provide robust uh, modding tools uh, for uh, our fans uh, if they want to explore uh, a more alternate history on their own, which, uh, just to be clear, also come with strict moderation uh, on our part uh, on Steam Workshop and our own modding, uh, modding platform. Yeah, I, have, I have a comment on all of this, you know, like something that yeah? came to my mind also. Like, do you guys think that, for example, I know that this is quite a challenge for many games, you know, especially like smaller companies that might not have the means to invest in that solution no? but you guys see that educating the audience also about the contest even outside of the game you know like for example in youtube channels or things like that you know kind of like this behind the scenes let's say that tell oh did you know about the history of those stuff you know like do you guys think that that would help to at least reduce the toxicity toxicity of the community or do you think that we would even expand it even more you know because then people will know even more the context and then might even you know create different point of views around that you know well, that's always a challenge, you know. The more information you present, the more people kind of tend to it, spread. It out. is. I think personally, the the challenge is reach, which is how far you can uh, take this uh, information. For a vast majority of our players, the the only means of quote unquote communicating with us is consuming the content in our games, right? Only a fraction of them uh, engages with us, but. Mm -hmm. uh, I have some thoughts on this, but I feel like it would be better served if when we move to your question, uh, to be uh, to be honest. All right. Well, I think that's a pretty good segue uh, in, into your question there, Jonathan. Okay, well, so my main question here is, you know, like, what's the main challenge that you guys see for translating or kind of digesting or chewing up the historical content for the players? You know, I can say that from my experience, like, as I said, I haven't participated in, like, long video game productions, but I do like them all the time, you know, so sometimes I need to work with museums or educators to kind of find that a subject, you know, understand the context of that and then present that in like a five to ten minutes experience for people who will like visit a exhibition space or like a educational experience and things like that, you know. So what do you see like as the most challenging aspect, you know, like of like because we always leave some things out out of that. You know, I think this will kind of also correlate a lot to the third question that we have there, you know, but um, this kind of totally comes to this point, you know, that like we always need to leave something out of the context to tell that because sometimes we don't have even the, the capabilities, you know, to create enough content to showcase the other points of views or the other factors that, that exist there. So we need to focus on like a specific approach. Uh, can I can I go first? Uh, 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 in that case, I have like a few very disjointed thoughts uh, uh, on this. The, again, I just want to uh, make sure that all the listeners understand I'm not a game developer. Uh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a, a game fan and a person working with communication. So this is mostly going to be my perspective as someone who just enjoys those games. Um, I think going back to the games we make uh, um, at Paradox is first, I think what makes it a little bit easier uh, for us than for you, Jonathan, is that our games generally tend to run pretty long. Uh, mm -hmm. One playthrough of this game, it's like the goal is there not to have a 15 minutes like you know speed experience. I think that is harder for you to to get the get the heart of it uh, into uh, into the final product. Um, but at the same time, even though like one playthrough, of, let's say Europa is four, can be like 20, 30 hours. Uh, 
the historical events are presented in the very like um, the small uh, events, right? It's a little bit of text, a picture, uh, some modifier in the game, and that is usually it, uh, really. And I find that at, at least for me, uh, when you when you present this with uh, like any entertainment attached, it kind of sticks with you. And uh, years ago, when I started playing Europa and Osiris Street, which was I think 2006 uh, or so, this is actually what got me to research a little uh, a little, a little more uh, on, uh, on on history. So uh, in a, in a sense, I I don't think um, that when you know translating historical content into uh, into gameplay, the goal isn't necessarily to uh, put as much information as possible uh, in there, right? Uh, but uh, kind of uh, plant the bug, right? For uh, for the person who is engaging uh, with mm-hmm. it. At least that, that, that's how it was uh, for me, uh, at least. And it has happened a lot since then, not just with Pardos games. Another uh, one that uh, made me research more in the past uh, years was Plague Tale Innocence. Uh, set in, uh, I think, 14th century uh, France, and I, I played through it. Uh, I wanted to learn more about, you know, were there any plagues uh, at that time? Who were the soldiers uh, who were there? And it's like sometimes when it's just a, a piece of entertaining media, I feel like, with historical flavor and context added to it, that is enough to at least get me interested and do some research on uh, on, on my own. Yeah, I think uh, from my perspective, it's uh, more of a more of a question. Like, what exact game are we speaking about? If we want to be historically accurate, or we want a game, let's say, um, um, Assassin's Creed-like, which is tries to be historically accurate, but everybody understands it's basically a fantasy game, right? So um, I would say that, like, if you go for the historically accurate game, the main issue would be probably presenting in the most accurate way the uh, pretty much... Uh, all the world you want to represent in the game, right? <clears throat> Which is basically the how the people live. We do know a lot of stuff about that, but we don't have really that many details. And we can imagine how, but still, we don't know all the customs and like what they did on daily basis, on every hour basis, right? Uh, how they really dressed, because like even Kingdom Come Deliverance, you see some... Uh, some clothes on especially the noble people and they look completely well not completely but way closer to the renaissance than to medieval ages where the time is taking place and that's that applies to a lot of strategy games like age of empires that you have seen you can see a lot of units that uh, i i cannot give an example right now but like uh let's say the typical typical knights of medieval ages with the with the just with the tournament lens, which wasn't really used for the combats, it was used just the, for the tournaments, and you can see them pretty much everywhere depicted like that in every single game that tries to be kind of historical, right? So um, that that would be one of the probably most um, complicated questions to chew up and uh, bring to the to the final user in the end, right? Because um, it it will it will require a lot of a lot of investigation and very very time consuming I guess um, like because we also everybody is used to all the films where, where we can see the Vikings just going naked with two axes into the middle of the battle like yep. and you go like yeah come on man you're you're fighting just a lot of knights super armor and you just with two axes completely naked and kill them all no. <laughs> 
So yeah, in in the historically accurate games, I would say that that would be uh, the main issue. In historically, in the in the games like Assassin's Creed that tries to be historical, um, well, tries to be historical. It's kind of historical, but in the end, there are a lot of uh, additional stuff there. Uh, I would say that um, the most complicated will be for pretty much the writers to have the narrative adapted to the um, to the world itself and the and the story they want to provide for the final user to the player because uh, i guess that combining both of the factors is quite a complicated topic at least it would be for me that's for sure <laughs> but everything else uh, of course uh, as i said as a great example the assassin's creed um you can see a lot of cliches a lot of the typical things we know from the movies which are not really true but they look awesome uh, and that's it <laughs> so yeah i think those things would be the most complicated to go through All right, and if i if i may add just a little bit on on top of that you know like for me one of the main challenges is exactly about this contextualization of the of the experience we want to send you know like just like you said about the viking there you know like if you put that viking like the shirtless viking that we all are used to see you know like at least people understand like ah we are talking about the viking in the viking age you know at the same time that you are sacrificing the accuracy you are actually providing the right context in a way you know so <laughs> you know like i think it comes like to a balance exactly on the on the narrative that you want you know at least from my side like doing stuff for entertainment and museum museums and so on usually they focus more on the accuracy itself you know that also reflects a lot on the gameplay uh, that i can offer you know because sometimes i can't be the the warrior that just go or the person yeah. who just goes and build anything there you know because that's not how it used to be you know they want to be accurate but at the same time like how do we make that fun you know like it, there's many challenges into this representation also to be interesting for the player i, I feel like in in your case because you did mention that you are producing content for museums right I feel like what is nice is that you have people coming there with the intent to learn uh, uh, history. Mm -hmm. uh, and and um, again, with the caveat that I don't work in sales or direct marketing, but uh, I'm like that image, stereotypical image of a shirtless Viking with your access, right? That sales and moves units. We just went through a period of like, what, 10 uh, Nordic inspired uh, AIA games in the past uh, uh, in the past few years, right? And mm -hmm. I imagine those guys, when working on those products, need to balance, you know, what moves units versus what I want to show there to be culturally, historically accurate uh, yeah. quite a lot. Like I was going to say, you know, like what I think works, at least what I have seen that works well in those cases, you know, is when those experiences, they are put together as a complementary experience to something. You know, for example, in the museum, that's easy because you can literally put like the experience in the exhibition space. You know, so like when you go in the virtual world or like, let's say put a VR headset or things like that, when you take it off, you, you see, ah, look, that cool vase that is on the shelf here actually was the vase that the pharaoh used to have his heart when he was mummified you know so like you you create this value to something that is more tangible that is kind of close to you but i feel that many times video games they can do that you know but sometimes they kind of lack the maybe the initiative you know like to make these connections you know to actually make people go further and explore you know maybe that is something that could even be rewarded in the game you know that like if you learn about the context better then you can actually do new mechanics or like choose new things in the in the game because you understand the context you know? like that for me like i can say from my experience that the age of empires worked well as a complementary experience just because 
it presented me the topics, you know, and then I went after the topics after. You know? But imagine like if we grew up with the supports that like, oh, I can actually go or to the website of the museum and they will have a section about the Age of Empires that will tell me everything that I wanted to know about the game. You know? Yeah, I I remember at one of our uh, games, Crusader the Kings 2, I believed, had uh, for the starting conditions, because you know, once you start our game, history changes, but for the starting conditions, starting date, when you open screens for a character, there was a link to Wikipedia uh, to read a little bit uh, about them. Probably a little controversial to link to Wikipedia specifically, uh, uh, admittedly, uh, not always 100% uh, accurate, but it did make me, uh, like you said, go looking for context uh, and actually in a way added to replayability because, you know, when you learn a little more, you can go back, play the same characters, same same region and, and get even more entertainment out of it. I, I feel like, again, this is just my music. As, as, as a consumer, uh, the other thing that is challenging is uh, varying the experience based on the scale. I feel like the experiences you create are very immersive, right? Uh, like uh, personal. What we have with our games, it's a it's a map of the world, uh, right? Going through four centuries of, uh, of 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 history, and it's you know uh, there are fans of historical details in our uh, dev teams and in our company in general, and I'm sure everyone would like to go deep and you know really uh, crank out the detail, but there is only like so much you can afford due to the budget time limitations, just the format uh, that uh, that you can do. So there is there is going to be just a a format limitation, uh, I guess, uh, ultimately also. Perfect, and uh, thank you for everyone's opinions there. Uh, Kirill, moving on to your question. Yeah, basically my question is, um, I don't know, I, I'll probably rephrase it, like more than the, should the current social tendencies impact the accuracy in historical-based games? More like to not the social tendencies, but more of a... a let's say, political and cultural beliefs and views we are having lately in the last, I don't know, 10 years, let's say, right? Uh, like all the uh, all the inclusiveness, which from my perspective is one of the main points lately in the games, uh, and like respecting uh, the nature, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are like, we, we can go on with those topics all over for I don't know how many hours just to mentioning the topics uh so yeah basically uh that is um that is uh, my main question like in terms of historically accurate game like let's say kingdom come deliverance or europa universalis whichever of them uh how do you think that uh, that should be considered and like how it should be taken into account and how deep because uh of course as uh, we already mentioned that um all the games should be very uh, as inclusive as possible, uh, but of course, due to historical reasons, it's uh, it's a complicated question to to make something in a historically accurate game. Especially if you, if we go, for example, to the Age of Discovery of America, that's uh, <laughs> that's another completely another topic. But as an example, <laughs> I think. I think it's a good example because this is actually something that I thought about before coming uh, to the podcast uh, today as, as like a, an, an example of your subject. Like I feel that being uh, Eastern European, like my perspective on this subject has changed a lot in the past uh, 20 uh, years um, or so. But uh, to, to address the, like the substance of, uh, of the question, I feel like uh, besides, besides should, I feel like it's happening kind of on its own a little bit. Uh, there is, a, in, in my opinion, even just on a pure business basis, 
uh, as we learn as a society more about uh, history and about how it impacted uh, people uh, like us, people different uh, to us, um, the let's call it power fantasies uh, of people change and evolve too. Right? What we want to do with history, if if we go into a game to uh, either relieve it uh, the, the, this history or or, or change it, like uh, our expectations now versus 20 years ago are probably a little bit different just because we have learned uh, so so much and i think this is going faster than ever because like the globalization the internet uh, explosion and all that so we see a lot of games uh, adapt to that we know a little more about how you know, people have been migrating uh, how decisions of one country impacted uh, 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 the others and uh, i uh, think that a good business owner right a person in charge of a historical product uh, even if we just remove ethics out of it, if they just want to sell again, they need to be aware of you know, what is the power fantasy of people in context of uh, history now, right? Uh, so I imagine they would uh, try to uh, put content there uh, that can speak to this to this to this fantasy, and it's like I can't give. Um, a strong example of what would that be but uh, i i've been looking at the work of my colleagues for uh for years and uh, it's never easy but it is achievable i, I feel like crusader kings 3 is a good example of our recent games uh, that did that did that again the historical context is there but way more power given to the player to explore uh, alternatives and admittedly you know crusader kings is a little bit removed game scale is big but in an RPG, uh, for example, it is also mostly about the player choice, right? We might not change the world, but we might change in those games people's individual characters' experiences uh, and all that. And uh, you know, then it's up to the creative team, I guess, to determine whether the player acting on this impulse to change uh, history is uh, beneficial or punishing to him uh, uh, or her, uh, I guess. Uh, but yeah, to like summarize my rambling. I think it's a natural evolution of our culture and this industry uh, as a business that as people's needs and wants and like dreams uh, change, so with the products uh, for them. So basically, like just to wrap up, if I get it all correctly, that yep. uh, like uh, basically we will be being uh, inclusive and like according to our political and cultural beliefs uh, on whatever time it is. Um, uh, on every historical game, right? Oh, pro probably, probably not every. Uh, I, I imagine like there are, you know, different teams, different people, and this adjustment is happening at different uh, uh, at at a different pace. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, the the mark again to, to put a little bit more business spin on this. The market has become more globalized, uh, right? There are people playing games made in Europe in different uh, parts of uh, the world, mm -hmm. and they need to be considered that they're uh, in terms of uh, uh, what content is going to be put in there. Uh, to give an example, like um, for our games, uh, at least as a as a cons consumer, I see that we do a lot more DLCs, uh, expansion packs focused on specific regions of uh, of the world to flesh out the backstory of uh, of those places. Uh, much more focus on uh, Asia, uh, for example, North America in Europa Universalis, because you talked about colonialism, right? Uh, so North America got an expansion uh, focused specifically on the indigenous people uh, there. And again, because I don't have that cultural context, I can't speak to its accuracy and how reflective it is. But I, I can at least see that there is a, like an awareness that there is a, 
demand for uh, those uh, experiences and those subjects to be explored because otherwise the decision would not be made uh, to uh, to create them. Oh yeah. Okay. I I I get your point. Uh, that like okay. My my question a bit was more a bit on the note that like um like okay let's on let's say so on a curious uh, historical accurate games how how much should it be like how much should they be impacted by the cultural and political policy and really uh -huh. you know what I mean or <laughs> uh, I mean uh, it's I complicated. I, know, I, think because... I think I think I do. Uh, I mean, I think um, the difference here is whether there should be a conscious impact or a natural evolution, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, on that, because what I talked was, I think, a little more uh, organic, and uh, 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 what what I presented. Exactly. And I, and I think, uh, uh, because I actually do have like um, closer to my heart a game that is kind of an example of that too. Like you talked about, Kingdom Come Deliverance. Uh, we yeah. we have in Poland the Witcher, right? And Witcher oh. had a sim similar. Uh, uh, discussions around the race representation and whether they should be done in a in a in a, in a fantasy uh, fantasy game. And uh, personally, uh, I think uh, it's and again I'm talking from a, just a, uh, my individual experience as a, uh, as, a uh, as a as a player. Uh, I like to see that because I see that when I engage with communities built around those games uh, later, right? Uh, when there is a representation, uh, I get to meet uh, more people uh, from uh, different parts uh, of the world. And when you have people uh, like uh, more more diverse people in your community, uh, you also get more feedback, get more ideas. And I think this ultimately uh, benefits a developer that listens to its fans uh, more. So I think there is a case just as a, as a consumer to be made about the value of you know putting out content that will that will make people uh, different than your you know classic let's call it audience uh, engage with it and it's going to benefit you in the in the in the in the long run right thank you yeah i also had some comments about all of these you know like i think christoph said said very well many many of the thoughts that like i share i share Many of the thoughts that christoph had there you know but i wanted to add some things also you know like i think as any type of media or form of art, you know, like the games will always be a representation of our times, you know, like either we like it or not, you know, even if we are talking about like a historical uh, subject, you know, it's how we see that historical subject today, you know, like there's many subjects that like we, we changed our minds, let's say in the past 50 years, you know, that like we, we have learned and adapted, you know, the same thing happens with like comedy, for example, you know, like society is always changing, always, always, you uh, Searching, you know, like for new new interpretations of, of those of those facts, I would say, you know, like that, that's the case. Um, what I see that would work well for games is when they allow the players to have this. What's the right word for that? You know, I don't want to be to use too much jargons here, you know, but like this polysemantic approach. You know that like you can have you can present the situation, and people can understand that in different ways. You know, and that can maybe make the game stand more through the test of time. You know that like people will come back maybe to this subject like 20 years from now and see ah. The guys presented that topic here in this way, and I understand it like that. You know, like, let's say this might be might not be the best example, no. But let's use the Age of Empires again. You know, like I think many of the things that were presented there, like they they were not too politicized. You know, like of course everything's politicized. You know, but they weren't like make a statement there in, in the message that they wanted to convey. You know, like of course this wouldn't apply like to games that focus on that. You know, that like oh I will be the guy who made that stuff in that historical moment. You know, then that kind of opens this 
Pandora box, you know, that like, how do you represent players? How do you represent society in the single character or the situations that he goes through, you know? But I think one thing that Christoph mentioned there also is exactly the power of choice as well. You know, like maybe I don't agree with the historical facts or, or the things that happened there, but I have the power to change that. You know, like I can... I can make this virtual world the world that I want to, to become, you know, like maybe to a better place, maybe to a worse place, like depends on the player, you know, but I think that kind of gives this flexibility, you know, to be more inclusive, more representative, and of course, like also a more, more complex in a sense, you know, that like people can actually understand more uh, faces of the, the subject than the, uh, only the single one that is presented there uh, by the by the script writer, you know. I... Go ahead. Sorry, I just want one quick thing to add on that, uh, which is because I, I think we've both been talking about, again, the, the value of choice, right? Uh, and I just came to my mind a linear game that um, uh, showed me like multiple perspectives on the historical uh, context. Uh, that's uh, Assassin's Creed, uh, actually, because we talked about it. And I feel like in uh, the last few installments, they did this discovery, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in it. And I remember, I think it was in Assassin's Creed Origins, which was like um, in Roman era Egypt. And I remember uh, there uh, uh, turning on this mode and walking through the city that was focused on cremation, right? Uh, treating the bodies of, of the dead. And they covered so many like strata of the society uh, uh, there. Uh, about how different uh, the experiences were, how people of different castes were cremated and how they were treated. And, you know, linear experience, but it still contextualized how uh, people from different uh, walks of life um, experience this period differently. And that was, uh, I, I, I have to admit, I don't remember everything out of it, but I remember how it made me feel, right? And I remember that I, uh, I got, uh, like, uh, something new out of it. Mm -hmm. Right, so... Uh... That was, uh, those were really, really nice points. I actually didn't, didn't expect anything else from you guys. Like, <laughs> exact, pretty much exactly that. <laughs> but uh, I have to say it's, um, it's, a, it's a bit, um, from my perspective, it's a bit more of a more complicated question there in terms of uh, adapting all the, like, all, all the historical parts to the uh, current social and political uh, currents in terms that like uh, as, a, as another example battlefield 5 that was uh, uh, there were actually a lot of female characters which as we know during the second world war there are no many there were not so many uh, women dead in combat uh, as men for example so and in the end like I think at some point there was even a statistics about that, like how many female characters died in Battlefield Five. That and the, the, it was pretty much similar. Mm -hmm. And also that you cannot, you, you can actually um, uh, adjust your character to whatever race you want, whatever gender, well, whatever gender, uh, to the two gender available in the game uh, you have. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a really good move from part of Dice and EA. But at the same time. It is more uh, back, like taking you to a question. Like this is a game that pretends to be kind of historically correct, but in the end you have those selections, and, and it is like, what do you really want? Like, do you really oh. want the World War II um, reality and historical accuracy, or do you want to be all that adapted to the current society? So um, that's that's just an, another example, just speaking out loud. 
I think out loud. Um, yeah. So like, I think that applies to to pretty much every single historically accurate. Mm -hmm. game. <laughs> I, I have many comments about the Battlefield games there. No, <laughs> I, I'll be very short, guys. Like I'm a big fan of the series, like since the first game and everything. And like I, I like that they gave us now these new options, you know, that like I can customize my character and things like that. You no, know, I think that it, it's a very important step for into representing the players, you know. But I, I think that they failed in the expectations, you know, of the community, you know, because people were expecting, oh, let's make a historically accurate Second World War game, mm -hmm. and then they kind of made like things that were not so. Even though they they might be right in many aspects, there you know like they they may they didn't present this information at least you know and like we are oh you know like why is this person in this army here shouldn't they be in the other army you know like and this kind of this kind of situations there and I think for example if it was a game like Fortnite you know then I think the community wouldn't have had that much backslash because they know what to expect you know that like they want to be they want to have like this as much variety as possible of like characters and vehicles and things like that you know so it's not. They're not trying to represent a very specific niche context there. You know? So I think I think both in that expectation management, you know, it was something that kind of failed a little bit, you know. But I think also if they presented like more information, even in the gameplay or like in the narrative, you know, just like they used to have before in the old games, you know, that they would in the loading screen tell the history of this stuff, you know. Then they could say, oh, did you know that in the Russian army in the Second World War, many women were fighting as snipers, you know. Then. I would understand They're like, ah, so now it makes sense that there's a woman in the front line, you know, like, not that mm -hmm. there weren't women in the front line, I'm pretty sure many women fought and died also in this terrible war there, you know, but I think not everybody knows that, you know, and I, I think there's also like the, there's also the backslash that comes sometimes from the ignorance, you know, like, about the subject, you know, and if you don't present, if you don't present the context of the subject, then people tend to just kind of keep reinforcing that view that they already had. You know? Yeah. I, I do agree that um, I think the biggest challenge there that was maybe not met was in terms of communications. I'm surprised you come from a person working in communications. That's my take. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Battlefield historically has been a fairly historical game. Uh, right, uh, at least uh, in their attempts to to to, to like immerse us in the, in the in the period, and here they clearly wanted to explore something a little more, and maybe just stating that clearly, uh, uh, like with well-crafted communications around the time when the trailer was published, because I think all this argument started around when they showed the trailer, right? Uh, really for, uh, for 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 the game probably could have helped a little bit. Uh, to me, it's like, because I'm kind of a weird Battlefield player, I mostly play them for single player, uh, which I guess makes me an oddball uh, uh, here. Uh, in the single player part of, of the game, there were actually uh, lots of really educational elements, uh, I, I felt. For example, I didn't have a context of a mistreatment of Australian troops uh, in the Allied uh, uh, armies uh, before I played this and it made me research some stuff. I also really liked, I think it was a Finnish scout uh, on, uh, on uh, skis, uh, skiing, uh, that one campaign, right? A woman there that I knew that Finland was a like part uh, in the war uh, also. So there was a decent amount of uh, really interesting stuff that taught me uh, uh, taught me things. But I do agree that maybe uh, because you talked about con contextualizing earlier, uh, uh, Jonathan, adding uh, a blurb of text here and there to give a little bit of context would uh, uh, make people more open to absorbing the content of uh, of, mm -hmm. of of the game. Because like you said, like. There were plenty of uh, um, women serving, especially on the Eastern Front, uh, during uh, during World War II. Yeah, of course. 
Uh, it's uh, it's not that, that like there weren't any, but I mean, it, like percentual wise, I think it was like uh, 20 to 25 percent women max against everything else uh, males. So yeah, that's uh, that's quite uh, a difference comparing to what later was seen in the Battlefield Five on the servers that there were like tons of people and and. I'm not sure if it was over 50%, but it was really close for sure to 50% uh, of the players playing female characters, which is, of course, wasn't the, the case. But yet again, are we speaking about really historically accurate game or are we speaking about something that is being interpreted? That's... Um... <laughs> okay, brilliant. Uh, and I think we'll we'll leave it there then. So this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Christoph, Jonathan and Kirill for providing your insights on the topic and thanks everybody out there for listening. Uh, if you would like to get involved in one of the upcoming podcasts, just reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at jordan.lound at evolution-nordics.com and we will see you all next time.